sex with all those men cars. Enforce my friends is violence, the supreme authority from which all other authority is derived. And you know, there is something very important we need to do as soon as possible. Don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creative. Hello and welcome. This is the Parents Guide podcast where we analyze movies with a focus on sex and violence. And today we're going to look at Golden Eye from 1995, directed by Martin Campbell. And uh, the person who brought us this wonderful film is Karim Balach, a returning guest. Hello. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I can't even wait to get into our movie. Um, <laughs> and I will explain why. Um, but I don't want to skip our to uh, our introduction. Although you are a returning guest, I still have noticed that when I ask guests who have been here before the same question of movies they remember from their childhood, that sometimes new things pop up since the last time. So can you remember any new movies or, or TV shows or something that disturbed you in any way where a parent's guide would have helped you? <laughs> I was actually thinking about this uh, today because I was like, hmm, did, was there something I missed last time? I think that's how I specifically told about uh, The Lion King. Yes. And uh, But actually, I came up empty. There's no really... Oh, okay. Because like James Bond is something I watched like younger than it I was like most James Bond films. I read 12 in Germany. And mm -hmm. um, some of those I watched like at 10. But... If, especially if you like the Connery ones, they're not that violent. So, I mean, well, I, I really loved the James Bond movies as a kid or as a older kid, maybe. And I do remember that I didn't find them scary, but um, uh, Diamonds Are Forever uh, mm -hmm. is a movie that scared me because it has these two killers, the, the gay killers, as I realized years later, that are clearly uh, coded as, as homosexual. And the way they kill everyone, that that I found that really scary. Like in one scene, they put a scorpion in, in into someone's uh, a jacket, and I, and I thought, "Ooh, this, this 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 scared me." This is what I where I think of when I have to think of scary James Bond. So I don't know if I saw that one young. I think I saw Goldfinger and Doctor No, and those are I, I like especially from today's standard, pretty tame. So yes, uh, yeah. Once again, my parents did a good job. I have to <laughs> I have to, I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Lucky mine didn't me. because <laughs> I watched all of the James Bond movies as a kid, basically. I oh. I, I know that, yeah. It's, it's one of the franchises that I finished, probably one of the earliest ones I have finished. I, I probably oh. really, as a teenager, already had seen all of the movies up until that point, which in a way brings us to our movie today. So the movie today is GoldenEye uh, from 1995, which was the first uh, movie with Pierce Brosnan. After a longer break, I think it was about six years after Timothy Dalton. I think I think yeah. eighty nine was the last one, uh -huh. um, and it was uh, it wasn't kind of a I don't know maybe not a reboot, but I think I mean it's difficult because I think every performer, every Bond performer, gives it a different vibe. I would say, yeah, um, yeah. And I do want to discuss the vibe that the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> movies, especially and even this one, uh, give. Uh -huh. But um, what's what's your history with GoldenEye? Um, it's actually one of the first Bonds I saw. Uh, I think the first one I really like, like some as a kid, like I said, but like the first one I really saw was uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. 
-hmm. And GoldenEye was probably the second because a friend had the, the VHS tape back then. And uh, so, of course, back when you had like five or 10 VHS to choose from, so you repeat mm -hmm. view them a lot. And so often when we were hanging out, as like 12 year olds, we were like, oh yeah, maybe let's watch GoldenEye again. And so I have a, a lot of memories on this, on this film, like as a like almost like a hangout movie because you don't watch it all the time. So it's like, oh, now he's driving with a tank. So now we're <laughs> going to watch again. And then it's like, oh, there's someone arguing. Oh, let's play something. And uh, of course, the video game, uh, which for, for mm, people my yeah. age was like the, the holy grail of Nintendo 64 games. Uh, right, especially right. here in Germany, it was, um, uh, I don't know how to say this in English. Uh, but it wasn't banned. That wasn't. That's not right. But you could only buy it, eighteen or older, and it wasn't allowed to be um, advertised or anything. Mm -hmm. So, and it's like someone's older brother had the game that everyone's like, <laughs> yes. oh, and, and it's such a legendary game for people. People my job probably uh, also some more like people. And so that's like a, a milestone. That's why Pierce Brosnan is always like my Bond, like my mm -hmm. my original Bond, so to speak, and. Um, I think also it's very interesting to watch Goldeneye and the progression of his films because it's uh, I, this when I watched it on Monday, I really thought that this is so different from where the series went. And mm -hmm. uh, like, especially in a way, I would that. say, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, with, the, with with Greg for for sure. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but but even if you just... look like the, the four picture run that it's four, right? Yeah, four, four from, yeah. Uh, from Brosnan. Where it's really like uh, it starts more like a transition film between Dalton and something more light lighthearted to say, because he mm -hmm. he's he has more quips and uh, he's uh, he's more more charming or suave than than Dalton who was a bit more hardened, um, but it's also not as ridiculous as the later Roger Moore films. But no, when you, but when you look at then um, Die Another Day, it's full on Roger Moore Moonraker territory for me. So that's where I it's, found it. Yeah, it's not it's not in the territory of Roger Moore. Obviously not. Nothing really can be. But I do have to say, I was surprised how goofy this film is. And I do remember that um, I think especially The World is Not Enough is also a pretty silly movie. Yeah. Um, if Christmas I remember Jones. correctly. It, yeah. Oh no, I think I think of Tomorrow Never Dies. I think Tomorrow Never Dies is the sillier movie. I think The Word Is Not Enough is maybe like the, the most serious one, the, the, despite <laughs> uh, Christmas. Um, but it was seen as a bit more of a serious film, I think, uh, than Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies is the one with the newspaper and uh, Jonathan yeah. Price. Yeah, this yes. is, was a really absurd one. Uh, um, anyway. Usually, um, newspaper moguls always have like a big stealth attack boat something something <laughs> of course totally of course of course <laughs> um I, I don't even know um normally i i have been trying to start with a plot summary and with too many movies i realized that it's not that easy and it is not too easy to summarize a james bond movie i don't want to i don't want to do a, 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 a like a step-by-step -step plot synopsis because i think that's irrelevant for our our uh, task here anyway true but if you if you want to say what this movie is about, I would say it's a it's a lot about the uh, post Cold War because yes. it's so much about uh, Russia and uh, how things have changed and also like America as well is 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 shown in many different ways by the Joe Don Baker character who pops up again and again 
And, and I, I thought that that was really interesting to see that again, that in 95, the Cold War or the end of the Cold War was still so much in everyone's mind, which surprised me, actually, because five years was a long time. Yes, but also it's the first bond after the Cold War. So, yeah, of course. There was such a clear line for, what's the first bond, like 61, 62? So you basically have like almost 30 years of movies where it's always clear cut, you You have the, uh, the the Russians as the bad guys. You can, uh, like the Russian, the Soviets, more, more mm -hmm. accurately, uh, the Soviets are like in all the movies, the Nazis. You can pretty easily go, like, those are the bad guys. You know, it's a really yes. shorthand. Huh? Uh, like, it's Cold War Soviets. Of course, they're the bad guys. And uh, now you don't have this obvious mm -hmm. enemy anymore. There's not... The, the Soviets or like for Indiana Jones in the early movies there's not yeah. the Nazis so this is an interesting case of grappling with that fact yeah I think that, that's that, actually that true the whole uh, eco ecology for for him has changed and that they can actually go shoot in Russia and not yes. dress up some streets to make sure, it they go sure, to yeah. St. Petersburg and shoot there which is probably something the producers cherish very much Yes, for sure. Um, I, I skipped over something because I asked you about your history. I, I forgot to mention my history. <laughs> and uh, with so many of the films I've, I've discussed here, I, uh, I saw this one in uh, theaters when it came out in 1995. And I do remember that I was quite excited for it because I thought Pierce Brosnan is a, is a good choice. I, I, oh. I, I like Remington Steel a lot. I don't know if that's a show that people still remember <laughs> that Pierce Brosnan played it. in for a long time. And uh, what was fascinating about Remington Steele is that he constantly quotes movies. So um, his character, like in every episode, he quotes a lot, a lot of movies and always says, oh, it's this movie. And then he says the year. So uh, for for a growing movie nerd, this, this show was quite interesting. <laughs> it's kind of forgotten by now, but it was like the only thing that Pierce Brosnan did that made him somewhat known. Like he didn't make a lot of movies before he became James Bond. Not unlike Timothy Dalton, right? Uh, who also was not yeah. really a star before he became, and well, also not afterwards. But so I was quite excited for that, and um, I, I know that I didn't love it. I think I didn't even really like it. I thought it was okay. Um, that's what I remember. Yeah. But on my rewatch uh, yesterday and today, I, I had to uh, squeeze it in today. I realized, like, I I remembered almost nothing from this film. Okay. I had forgot and I hadn't seen it since 1995. Yeah. So this was the first time I've time. seen it since since I saw it in theaters. And I really I, I had forgotten almost the whole movie. The things I remembered the most were actually all the the scenes that were used for uh production stills that were in the in the magazines and everywhere. Those were always the moments where I thought, oh yes, of course, of course, because I read a lot about the movie, of course, because I was into yeah. that already. But I, I didn't remember the movie very much. Okay, but let's get into it. Um Goldeneye, uh, you said, I, it's a bit weird when we look at the parents' guide. Um, it is rated PG-13 in the US. I guess not surprisingly, I can imagine that most Bond movies are rated PG-13. In Germany, it's it has two ratings, and I don't really know what to make of that. It says 12, and it says theatrical and VHS version. And then it says cut, because it also says Germany 16. I don't remember if it was 12 or 16 when I saw it in theaters. I can't really imagine that it was rated 16. It's it's getting ahead of myself way too tame for that. Yes, so, yes, 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 yes. Ah, but I just checked the, the Blu-ray has the uh, 16 on it. 
That's surprising. Okay. Strange. That is really surprising. Yeah. yeah. But it's not that uncommon in Germany to have a different rating for the home video and the theatrical market. That actually yes. happens sometimes because there's like two different um, uh, judgments being taken into concern because cinema is like more guarded uh, because people check for the age and uh, VHS or now mm -hmm. streaming is different in how it's, uh, how it's able to be controlled. Yeah. You know, like guided. Um, I do Maybe. see now, actually, I have an explanation on IMDb. It says the oh. differences. Uh, so there were two moments were cut to give it a 12 rating in Germany. And then later oh. these scenes were included again. And then uh, it, it stayed on 16. And normally I wouldn't start with this, but I find it super interesting to see which scenes had to be yeah. cut to give this a 12 rating. The first one is the scene where Alec, the main villain, spoiler, is crushed by the satellite dish. Hmm. Okay. And the I other one, yeah. And the other one is when James Bond says about uh, Xenia on our top, someone we probably have to discuss a lot uh, today. Maybe. When uh, after she dies, again, spoiler, too late. Uh, when he says she always did enjoy a good squeeze. Good squeeze. But that what that was was cut. This line to give it a twelve rating, and that seems really strange to me. Mm. Uh, and there's also one more cut I just checked because there's a like this German site where they always compare. Oh, yes, birds. yes, yes, yes. Schnittberichte, uh, you probably know it. Yes. And uh, there's also when she's shooting the people in the uh, Severnaya, the, the satellite station, and then she's like moaning after mm -hmm. she killed them. And that's it's a four, four or five second cut, too. So, uh, yeah, not interesting, great. interesting, German, really surprising. Uh, uh, if I look at other ratings uh, to get back on track, um, yeah. <laughs> it is actually one of the more higher rated movies, I, I would say, compared to some of these other movies. It's it's rated like 16 in Denmark and in Finland and uh, where they're normally more tolerant for, for things. In Sweden, it's rated 15, in Norway, and so on and so on. Um, in in France, of course, it's it, it has no rating. It's for everyone. <laughs> of course. Take your little kids. <laughs> but... Uh, Right. I can't even say anything anymore because it shouldn't be surprising that this is the punchline <laughs> of every episode that Fran says, what? You have a problem with that? Why? Huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, in the UK, by the way, it's the same. It was rated 15 and then they had to cut it to give it a 12 rating. So similarly to, to Germany, um, which, as you already said, seems really surprising to me considering what this movie actually shows and does. So let's get into that. And as usual, we start with sex. And because it's James Bond, there is uh, no lack of sex. What would you say is the most sexual scene in GoldenEye? So beforehand, I was like, oh, that's going to be an easy question. But after rewatching <laughs> the movie, I was like, not that much sex, no. actually. <laughs> and, well... especially, and especially, who has the least sex <laughs> from, from the people shop? It's Bond. Because you basically you basically get no sex scene from it. It's like one scene where he's in bed with Natalia before oh, they go right. on, the, on the final mission. But it's not like a. It's more like afterwards, you know, or, and, or before, or maybe before. You know? But uh, actually, Xenia Onatop is the one who has the sex scenes. That's true. So, that's actually true. And so I would actually go with the one that's also violent. Is the uh -huh. one where she kills the admiral. Yeah, that's for sure the most sexual scene. The most sexually explicit scene yeah. as well. 
yeah, definitely compared to everything else. So again, in case you have not seen this movie and are listening to this, um, in this yep. scene, Xenia Onatop, we can say the name again and again, and we do have <laughs> to mention that the movie makes fun of it itself yes. in the movie. Yes. Yes. Like, uh, which I found really fascinating because I wasn't sure if they were aware how silly that name is and had to put it in if that was like a quip in during filming or if they just oh. thought they they go with it. I mean, James Bond has a history of silly names, especially for yeah. women. But Xenia Onatop must be must I mean, be high not, up there. It's not pussy galore, but it's yeah, up there. I, it's up there for sure. So she has sex with a. Uh, I don't know a, a general or something uh, admiral I think. or an admiral yeah i'm okay that's that's something i'm i have no problem uh mixing up um, <laughs> and i don't know they have really rough sex and yeah. then she kills him yeah with her legs yeah that's she squeezes like, his organs together so he can't breathe or something with, like I, I never fully understood this in all these years of watching the film how yeah i have to repeat it again like she squeezes him with her legs and he dies yeah um it, it really, as you said, it's not clear how that's supposed to work, how he is not unable to get out of this. Uh, like, I mean, she probably has pretty strong legs. But she still, I mean, good. he like he has legs too. He has hands. He has arms. Yeah. I, it's 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 really odd uh, to to see this scene, and uh, even odder that someone came up with this idea. It's kind of brilliant in a way <laughs> to have I mean, like you the... don't you don't expect that. No, no. You you get to the scene and you're like, okay, of course, because she's she has so much um, the atmosphere of a of, or the aura of a bad girl guy. What's the what's the equivalent? Uh, so and uh, bad but you, girl, I course, think is correct. Okay, bad girl. So <laughs> you think, okay, she's gonna seduce him, and then someone's gonna come into the room and maybe kill him, or that she's gonna pull a weapon. Maybe she's gonna pick an ice pick. Who knows? But. Uh, then she squeezes him to death with her, with her legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. I'm pretty sure that I was not expecting that when I was 12, when I was watching that and had For like sure. a basic and idea about how everything would work. Especially, and we have to add that when we talk about that, it's clearly more than applied that when she does that, that she climaxes. Uh, absolutely. I mean, she climaxes a lot about violence. <laughs> yes. Which makes her character yes. all the more weird. Yes. And interesting, but I thought, especially in that scene, it becomes so clear that that this is like, yeah, that this is her climax. And to 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 jump ahead for a moment, when the when the body of the admiral is found later, <laughs> like his face looks as if he climaxes as well, which is <laughs> even even odder. This whole scene, I mean, as you said, um, we don't really have a James Bond sex scene up on up until that point. And I, I thought it was surprising already to see such an extended sex scene with like no James Bond and with one of yeah. the villains because normally you don't get that. No, no. And it goes on for a while until she kills him. It's it's not a short scene. No, it's two three minutes probably. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, time it, but uh, it's really because that's the. I mean, it's a it's a great buildup because you know something is about to happen. It's, it's pretty clear. Yeah. But you don't expect that. And the sex is already wild, rough. I, I mean, I would describe all of her behavior as like animalistic in a way, right? Yeah. She seems to be yeah. really like an animal. And of course, when the sex scene starts, uh, Xenia on top um, sits on top of the man. Of course. They, uh, <laughs> Doesn't she at one point say in the film that she likes to be on top? Of course, of course. That's when they talk about <laughs> I mean, the name. 
But then when the yeah. when the scene, the first scene comes, like they don't shy away from from going there. It's, oh. It's... Oh. Head on. I was I was really I was laughing at all of these moments. I, I was really not expecting, and again, I had forgotten about how silly all these scenes are with her, how far they go with her. But I do have to say, I don't know, I compared to some of the other characters you see in other James Bond films, including the female characters, the other female characters in this film, I thought Xenia Anatov was a quite interesting character. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, she's because she's not... I mean, it's weird, but I don't feel that movie shames her for it. No, no. It's it, it. I mean, of course, she's a villain, but it's not like, oh, look at that dirty hoe doing bad stuff. No, no. I mean, like, it's more, it's more curious. Like, what, what is with this woman? Why is, why is? I mean, it's not like a deep dive character study, but no, it, it, it feels more curious than judgmental. Yeah. Um, she she becomes the center of many scenes where you don't expect it, right? C especially considering that she, I mean, she has some dialogue in, in the scenes with Bond, but in most of the other more violent scenes, she doesn't really talk a lot. She's just mm -hmm. there and is violent. And well, again, and, and she seems to have one orgasm after another, especially when she kills people. And um, I think it helps that it's, that she's played by uh, Famke Janssen. Janssen? I, I don't even know. Probably uh, I mean, the Americans would say be... Janssen. It would be Janssen. I mean, she's she's Dutch, so that's what I would Jansen. would say, of course. But we are German, so we would yeah. never <laughs> think of pronouncing it in an English way. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm sure any any American listening to this uh, maybe has a has trouble even understanding who we're talking about when we say Famke Janssen because it sounds yeah. so German. Famke um, Janssen for the American folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think I think it really helps the way she plays it. Uh, uh, yeah. She gives it a lot. I even wonder if the screenplay included that many interesting bits with her or if she really elevates the character would be very interesting to see the script there because uh, like you say it feels like something where an actor takes a, you know like Benicio del Toro in um, The Usual Suspects mm -hmm. uh, he read the screenplay and was like my character is just there to uh, spoiler for The Usual Suspects die <laughs> it's just there <laughs> to die and further the plot along. So he went like, okay, so if that's my only thing, I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> and he just made up this weird accent and everyone's remembering him. And so I mm -hmm. could imagine something like that where she's like, okay, I'm the henchwoman. Um, okay, she's a bit weird, but what if I play her extra weird? It would be really nice to to know something about it because uh, like you said, it's and it's it's so consistent also. It's it never it yeah. never feels like it never feels like parody. No, but but really like a disturbed person who found her kink and people who enabled that kink and by saying, "Sure, go ahead, kill those guys." And it's as you said, the movie is not really judging her. It's also not making fun of her, which which is weird with that name and that character. Uh, but it's somehow it the, the movie takes her character quite seriously. Um, and what's interesting is that in some of these scenes um, that maybe we we, we get to. You often see other characters look at her and like, huh? <laughs> what is she doing? What's up with her? Like you see how others are confused. Um, I think she's really good at using her facial expressions to 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 get across what's what's going on in in her mind or in her head or wherever. More more than with the dialogue, I think actually when she talks, she becomes less interesting because she becomes more like a, a standard, uh, again, female a femme fatale ca character in a way, right? Where she where she I has like to. Her... Yeah. I like her banter with Bond. Like when he uh when they had the bathhouse fight sex scene. 
which we'll get to <laughs> probably later. Um, and when they sit in the car and uh, he's uh, he's like, oh, this time the pleasure was all mine. She's like, oh, you're you probably don't won't be mad if I don't call. So it's, <laughs> like, it's, I think yeah, she has yeah, very bad yeah. with him. It's it's more when she has to um, do the bad uh, bad girl stuff. Like, oh, uh, this is the end for you. Or I'm getting to you when she has, mm-hmm. kicks the head. It's like okay, yeah, that's that's not that special, but uh, it's because it, for me it's like one of the first. Uh, bond female bond villains that i remember and i was i'm always like i mean also the names like even as a kid you, you get that on the top even if you have i hadn't had english but i i knew what that meant yeah she's she's great and and she sells the, the the part where you think it's not someone where you think like oh but nobody would fall for that woman you know, like sometimes mm-hmm. people exude so much crazy that you think like no sane person would go to bed with them but of course, when she's in the casino, of course, she, she could pick up almost any guy in there. Mm-hmm. Of course. What I did notice about her, as interesting as her character is, and again, uh, um, especially because she's so sexual, when she loses, she she completely changes. And she gets really, really upset. First at the, it's not poker. I forget what they are playing. I didn't really understand Akala. that. Okay, yeah, I, have, I just have no idea what that is. That's why I didn't get it. Uh, just some other game and not poker for some reason. Yeah. Um, and, and at first she's cool and, you know, she, she she's in control. And then she loses and she she immediately gets all, oh, no, uh, I don't know, like, like a little child almost, right? That, that can't deal with it. And later in the bathhouse scene as well, like she's she is in control. And then when when Bond, again, we maybe we get to that scene later, although it's almost a sex scene, he, he throws her across the room. She has the same look of... Mm. Yeah, and it is like she 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 cannot control her emotions very well, right? Um, Only as long as she's on top. I'm sorry for the pun, but uh, it's uh, I mean that's where the the non subtleties of the screenplay, of course, come through. Yes, because yes, that that's her whole deal. She and, and that's why her method of uh, of killing, because of course you're extremely vulnerable vulnerable uh, when you're sleeping with someone. You're naked. You don't have anything because, you, and also you have to open up. I mean, that's something a basic instinct is getting at uh, uh, the vulnerability. And there, she has like a real big advantage, and she can she can control the situation because she knows she can get men to do what she wants. And mm-hmm. that's why it's I think even more frustrating when that doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And that's why she uh, and when she and that's the like the the functioning facade that she can present that she's uh, like just a seductive uh, woman falls apart when she loses at a card card game yes yeah absolutely i i don't want to rush on but (laughs) there are so many moments in this film sexual and violent um that i i do want to make sure that we talk about many of them because i think they're very interesting although again xenia on top deserves uh, talking about her for for a long long time and we will get back to her for sure because she's involved okay. in many of the scenes okay i pick a scene and then maybe you can pick a scene and we can go back and forth yeah. because there are so many <laughs> i i think i want to i want to talk about the um the post credits car chase which also includes xenia on top oh, yeah and not post like, post uh, yeah, main yeah. Uh, main uh, title title uh, sequence uh, yeah post title sequence anyway confusing um <laughs> which um like the this title sequence is over and then we are in a in a car chase right away and i was so i it's so confusing what what's going on 
because Bond is sitting in a car with a woman and for a long time you have no idea who this, this woman is and he chases uh, like he has a car chase with Xenia on top and they're like basically risking their lives for, for fun right you don't even know if there's a mission or what what he has to do with her uh, because we then realize at the same time that the woman in his car is a psychologist who's supposed to like profile him or something or like see if he's still fit and the all the combination of all of these things that the psychologist sits in a car with him while he chases a woman who we don't even know if 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 she's his mission is so weird it's so <laughs> weird with any any explanation we're just thrown into the scene which then of course ends with him seducing the psychologist although we don't get to see the sex scene or not even close yeah. no they just start to kiss and then the camera pans up to show us beautiful monaco and uh yeah it's uh and This is, uh, I think this is one of the big differences from Dalton to Brosnan because the sexual innuendo in the dialogue that's <laughs> popping up a lot, let's say. For sure. Uh, because I have to check if I wrote that one down. So in this uh, scene, yeah. I, I think, yeah, or do you, do you have one or should I? They, they, they have like, of course, they have a dick joke there because uh, uh, James, I know you're only doing this to show me the size of your, and then he's like, ego? And she goes like, Your motor. <laughs> no, he he says engine, and then she says uh, ego, ego because ah, yeah, he's a psychologist, right. of course. So, yeah, so of she course. she, she gets to him with ego. Yeah, yeah. But it's but of course so many that. of these puns. Yeah, but I was surprised actually at how non cringy it was because I was. I, I mean, I cringed at that one. I have to say. Ah, but. Uh, I mean, it's not perfect, but for a 30-year-old Bond movie, which don't have the best track record of, um, well, how they handle sexuality, uh, mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty okay for the most part. I Yeah, I, maybe I can't completely agree, but I agree to, to a point. Again, if you look at all the yeah. Bond movies, there are some horrible, horrible things happening, especially in the past. Uh, I mean, if yeah. you look at some of the Sean Connery movies, it's it's like really there are some bad, bad things happening there and talked about there. And of course, it, it's gotten better over the years. And again, because I had forgotten the film, I was still surprised because because some of these puns are so silly that I had to think of Roger yeah. Moore. Because in the Roger Moore films, there also were these extremely silly sexual puns that were so yeah. over the top sometimes. <laughs> because when the scene is over again and he seduces her, what does he say? He says... I have no problem with female authority. <laughs> and then he uh, he opens like a, a secret stash where there is a bottle of champagne in the car. Well, I wouldn't be go too far and say uh, as a phallic symbol. Um, <laughs> and then and then of course she's willing. Like again, her job is to see if he's okay, if he can do his job. But she doesn't even hesitate to be seduced by him. Because, I mean, he's James Bond, of course she can. That's, I mean, that's that's the character. I mean, James Bond is one of the ultimate male fantasy characters. Yeah. Because he's good looking, he's intelligent, he's uh, he's good with the women, he's uh, he's a guy who gets things done. So, of course, that attracts a lot of men because they're, uh, yeah, it would be cool. I mean, and of course he has to be this successful without even trying that hard. I mean, you never see Bond straining to get a woman normally. It's always like no. They they see them and it's like, oh my god, James, it's, it's so amazing. And yeah, I mean, he just risked their lives for a nonsense race with a woman he never ever, ever saw before. And she's like, oh, uh, okay, let's sleep together. I mean, not the most realistic cause of action, but 
Yeah, again, as I said before, we think he has never seen it before, and then she becomes his mission, which again makes me wonder what what the point of all of this is, like how how they got there. But that's asking too many questions. Uh, but, but what surprised but me, think, but yeah, I think actually, I mean, it has always been my impression that on the road, that's really just a chance encounter. And of course, I mean, the, the psychologist, she's like plainly dressed, well behaved, and how to say, it, she's like easy bait for Bond. It's like, no, he has to don't don't have to work for it. But then Xenia drives along and she's more like uh, a challenge. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. And that's, and that's why I think he when he comes to the casino and he sees the car, that's more like, a, oh, that, uh, because I always, I've never felt like this was a mission. It was more like, hmm, she some, seems suspicious. And then he realizes the license plate is, is fake. And that's why he asked for information about to her, uh, about her to the MI6. And then they fax her affects him the information and it's like okay you can pursue her but don't contact her and he's like well i already did but um the contrast is pretty clear i think because uh, xenia is, is portrayed right away as this cool interesting dangerous woman and, and the psychologist is is quite hysterical in the car she's she's really that, and that's i think what surprised me because she's not portrayed as sexy as attracted to him in any way or him attracted to her even no. that's i think what why the, the end of the scene is so surprising that suddenly it's okay now we're done and now let's have sex and she's like okay um because it's not a completely the, the different vibe than the, the scene plays before i feel like this whole scene is missing the beginning like they i cannot imagine they haven't filmed a, a moment where we see james bond driving in a car with the psychologist and she says well mr bond I don't know why you take me here, but I have to uh, see if you are uh, psychologically fit. And then uh, he sees Xenia driving by, and then they start a chase. And the scene feels more like it's it starts right in the middle of that without any of the explanation. Uh, also, with music that feels so 80s, I was really, really shocked. The music in this scene is unbelievable. It's, uh, it's uh, Eric Serra who did the score for most Luc Besson films. Yes, yes. Which is a very uh, interesting choice for a Bond movie. And you really hear it the difference yeah. all in the also in the um uh, in the bomb theme sometimes when it's played it's mm -hmm. really differently uh, uh orchestrated uh which i think a lot of people didn't like uh, i think mm -hmm. after after this one it went back to the more normal orchestral mm -hmm. uh, score i always like the 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 golden eyes score even though it's a bit a bit weird yeah i I didn't enjoy it too much. It's it's really odd. It's an odd score, which doesn't have to be a bad thing, of course. I oh. mean, it's it's always nice to to shake up things. Although, I mean, I think Bond scores ha are can be quite different, and and they had uh, different composers over over the years. Um, like after after John Barry was after was John out, Barry. basically, right? Yeah. Um, but then especially starting with with Brosnan, I think they experimented a lot with with different uh, scores, and then uh, I think. Uh, David Arnold was there for a while. I think yeah. he did a couple of movies, uh, and I really liked his scores. Um, I like his "Die Another Day" score a lot. Anyway, we're not here to talk scores. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my, my that was my pick was this opening scene. Uh, which sexual scene do you want to talk about uh, so that we get through all the sex in this film? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be a bit more broad and uh, talk about the uh, the way the sexist remarks are uh, valued differently. Who depending on who makes them because mm -hmm. you have boris the uh the russian programmer and oh, he's something and yeah he's really but, but there's like the big difference when james bond does his like uh innuendos it's always like oh yeah because he's like such a cool guy and he does it with a little wink and it's like okay he's he's charming and everything 
Then you have Alan Cumming playing Boris, uh, Boris Grushenko, named after, I think, Woody Allen's character, Love and Death. Because why not? Oh, yeah, I haven't thought um, about that yet, of course. Yeah. I, I, not I a Woody Allen reference in, in GoldenEye. Of course, of course. Oh. And, and what as, as, uh, as weird as that. Um, but she's constantly making uh, sexist remarks to Natalia and uh, making herself password riddles where the uh, solution is something sexual. And of course, it's also played for laughs, but it's also like the clear thing, like, oh, but that's a weird guy, so that's 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 also a bit creepy, you know? Like, but there's, there's... yes, <laughs> yes, you're not supposed to like him. And again, spoiler, he turns out to be one of the bad ones in the end. But what surprised me about all of that was that Natalia seems to enjoy it. He's she's like, oh yeah, oh, you with your sexist jokes all the time and your passwords and making me. Uh, solve riddles that are sexist and then asking me if it was good for me too as he does after yeah. the first password scene and she's like oh that's funny um that's why i i thought the the, the sexist part was was played for laughs but it also wasn't really uh criticized in any way i, I was wondering if that uh, i mean like i i have to admit i'm a bit nostalgic about the film because like one of my first bond films but i was wondering uh, when i was watching it this week um she doesn't seem shocked or or hurt or anything like that. And I was wondering, like, because it's not that uncommon for women in tech or fields that are more uh, dominated by men uh, to to being um, used to having to laugh at uh, at sexist jokes and like not showing that it actually is not okay because you don't want to be ostracized. You want to be part of the club. You want to succeed. I mean, I'm not sure that GoldenEye is that deep into uh, criticism of sexism in Mint uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> studies. Well, but yeah. but it, it crossed my mind because it was really like, she, she had like one moment where she's like, oh, come on, Boris, again. Uh, mm-hmm. But she's not really fighting about it. She's more like, okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Another one, yeah. She's, play, she's playing it off. And I mean, yeah. like in a in a film that would focus on that, it wouldn't be surprising, considering it's like uh, something where you uh, where you see a woman trying to uh, prevail in the in the male mm-hmm. working space. But I mean, like that's really reaching for I have to admit that. Yeah. But there's like there's a constant uh, throughout the movie. It's uh, Jordan Baker uh, when they uh, when they finally get uh, get after the last mission and when they succeed and they think uh, and James and Natalia think they're all alone and start to make out and then uh, Jordan Baker comes and uh, then he reveals that there's a whole lot of Marines there which could have helped at any moment if they mm-hmm. were asked. <laughs> yeah, like, that's so weird. Oh. oh uh, Let's, let's get the helicopter and you can continue debriefing her at Guantanamo. Well, it was like, mm-hmm. wow, that feels really, really bad now. <laughs> the mention of Guantanamo. Um, mm-hmm. But also like, there's like this constant where it really feels like, oh man, that is 90s. What? Sexism? We haven't heard of that. Mm-hmm. Because that wouldn't fly in a modern James Bond film. No, probably not. What I find interesting, and I think because I'm I'm probably more critical of the film than than you are, um, Fair. which is okay. I mean, again, we don't have to agree how much we like the movie. And I think with a movie like GoldenEye, that's fair anyway, I guess, right? But um, I, I, I think M is very interesting in this regard because she's, I'm pretty sure, the first female M. Yeah. Right? And, um, and I mean, it's Judy Dench. And... She has some interesting things to say to James Bond, right? Yeah. 
because um, I think because I think you're a sexist misogynist dinosaur. Yes, and I mean this is this is calling out the 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 last uh, thirty years of James Bond movies, of course, while at the same time not really changing anything, which I find so interesting. There's also the line with Money Penny when she says uh, this is sexual harassment. Yeah. And he says, oh, what's the penalty for that? <laughs> it's I think they're they're trying to have an, have it both ways in a way. They they're calling yeah, it out, but they, they don't change Bond. They're, he's not really but they also don't make fun of him, you know. Yeah. Woman is really and, and all the women still, except for Emma, are still uh, interested and fascinated by him, like Money Penny. Uh, she has the sexual harassment line, but you 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 see that she's still. Although again, he uh, he says, um, "What would I do without you?" And she says, "Oh, you never had me." Yeah, because I thought that uh, Money Penny wasn't as swooning. No, because she's no. like in this evening dress, and uh, he's like, "Oh, special occasion." And she's like, "If you think that I'm just sitting at home waiting for an international crisis just to meet you in an evening dress, you're fairly mistaken, Mister Bob, or something like that." And yeah, yeah. I, I really was surprised at how equal they were in their banter because oftentimes yeah. the other ones it felt like uh like when he leaves the room and like there's one early bond where m is like and money penny you can switch off the uh, or no talking to bond now he has to go because there's there's always this this uh, power dynamic that it's of course like if only bond would uh give in to money penny's uh wishes and i don't get that from their one scene here no not exactly no it's a bit different for sure yeah yeah, it's not. But like you say, it's um, the film is aware of changing times. That some stuff like uh, of the Connery era couldn't fly anymore, and it's mm -hmm. and also in the in how it's treating this this problem of the the clear cut enemy of the Soviets is gone. There's some mm -hmm. meta aspects to the film, yeah. which of course still. I mean, yeah, it's it's still a James Bond movie that wants to do James Bond stuff. But I was actually surprised looking at it like this, that it has more commentary on Bond than I would have expected and, and also remembered. Because That's, I always remembered like the, the line from, from M and was like, okay, she, she wants to show how tough she is. And, but she's really, she has a point and mm -hmm. they don't have to include that. And she's never like saying something like, oh, I was wrong about you all along. I, you're, she never takes back on, or goes back on that stance. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I do remember, actually, now I do remember that this was something that I noticed in 1995, that I thought, oh, they are trying something at least. It's not, I, I don't know if it's always successful, but at least they're trying oh. something. And I do think, again, I think the Xenia on top character is part of that. So this is not uh, from Russia with Love with uh, um, uh, Rosa Klepp, uh, this Russian clearly coded as lesbian female villain that it's not supposed to be attractive in any way. I think yeah. that's that's something that I find much more interesting here, that Xenia Anatop is really an interesting character that you can take seriously, um, mm -hmm. where in, in, a, in a previous film, it was clear that Bond would never go for someone like that and that her sexuality is actually clearly like, uh, shows how, how wrong she is because she's not interested in men. And I'm, I, I, would, I wouldn't even be surprised if we would have seen a scene with uh, Xenia Anatop being interested in women as well. I think that would have fit her character so well. She, she doesn't seem to be picky, to say it No, like no. She's just so sexual all the way. But again, not in a... I don't know. It's, it's, I find it really interesting that she's not characterized as... That, that, that the movie's not looking down upon her. Yeah. Somehow. Question. Do you think 
that senior on top is in some ways a metaphor for uh, STDs or AIDS. Mm. Because in the previous films, the sex could put Bond in danger, but more because he's letting his guard down and someone would come in like in, uh, I think in Dr. No, it's like the first time uh, some woman's trying to seduce him and mm -hmm. leads him into the room and then there's someone waiting for him, but Bond, of course, is too clever for that. But here, it's the sex itself that kills. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. And especially considering that AIDS in 95 is a thing that is not ignored anymore. No. Uh, so I I always felt like maybe maybe there is something there about that. Because there you have also the line in the bathroom scene, which we have that's referenced about. Exactly, uh, like maybe, exactly, yeah. Maybe we just... Also, so... Uh, that when I, I don't know what what her line is, but he says, and it depends on what you understand on the safer sex. Yes. Safe sex. So there's a clear reference to this this term, which I think did not have that mm -hmm. that relevance before AIDS. No, no, for and sure. I, safe sex is I, a, is a, uh, an expression that was coined. I think I mean maybe in the 80s, but in the 90s it was it was like common knowledge in a way right and what that yeah. means and so on and so on as she says you don't need the gun and then he says ah, well yeah. that depends on your definition of safe sex Thanks. which of course combines sex and violence already in a way right uh, in yeah. an interesting way as the whole scene does um okay i, I want to move on to violence but actually there are two more <laughs> things i want to talk about this movie i really did not expect that this movie has so much to offer <laughs> that i just can't look away from um Okay, I, I know what I want to say for the for for the end. Uh, I do want to talk about um, the other female character that I think is, in a way, the weakest female character, which is uh, Natalia, yeah. um, who is played as an important character, but she never gets anything to do but watch that people are killed or that Bond saves her and so on and so on. And there's this this moment when um, when he meets her for the first time, he doesn't know if she's good or bad, but he's like really going rough with her right away, like, like pressing her to a wall and really close to her. And you could think of sexual violence in, in a way. I think that it's almost uncomfortable. But really quickly later, she's she's so willing to have sex with him again. There's although no he, build up at all. <laughs> no, not at all. It's really odd. What they do is that they're on the train and the train explodes and they're sitting outside the train and, and she... She must have been traumatized. I mean, it's not the first time she's almost killed in this movie. No. And, and, and in the beginning, I thought the movie is actually trying to deal with that, that, that this is a lot for her. And of course, not for Bond, that they that they show this contrast. Sure. And he makes like a joke and she right away, she looks at him and she smiles right away where they're sitting next to a burning train that they just have escaped from. And she's yeah. like, oh, well, what are you, are you talking about sex? She's not saying that, but that's what they are talking about, of course. And then you, the, the movie almost implies that they have sex right next to this burning train. Um, <laughs> and I think that that says a lot about how this character is is not much to 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 go with, you know, because she's so she doesn't have a lot of agency. There's this one moment when they when Bond fights with this other general and she helps him, but it's only for a second. It's it's really it's not much. I mean, she does actually get to do a lot of useful stuff. I mean, in mm -hmm. the in the final mission, let's say when they have yeah. the, when they're at the satellite station, um, she is the one who tracks uh, who who gets a location where they have to yeah. go next. I mean, if if she doesn't track Boris's uh, hack thing, whatever, yes, yes, um, yes, they don't know where they have to go. Um, and she's also proven when she has to contact Boris, 
um, and she goes into this store and she's like, oh, I have to buy uh, computers for the American school, for the Swedish school, where she's very self-assured and also very mm -hmm. clever in the way how she gets access to a computer. So I think she has, the, the movie is clearly trying to not just have her like yes. the Bond girl who's just to be safe, but also doesn't really know what to do with her. Because yeah, I think that's there are it, moments, yeah. and that I think what you what you felt because you have these moments where it's like, oh, she's competent, she's she's uh, she she knows what she's doing, and she's actually helping along. At some points, Bond wouldn't have solved the case or the the the, the problem without her. And then there's also moments where it's like, uh, maybe we let her be kidnapped so Bond has to go after her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's also a part of where 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 I'm thinking like this is like really a transitional Bond film. Because you have these elements that are trying to go in a new way about it, uh, be it the Bond girl, be it the sexism and everything, but also it still wants to really, really be a Bond film. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really know that, how like, to do that in a new way or yet. Yeah, or not not completely good way. Like the the Craig yeah. films at some points just said like, okay, we're doing a narrative about five films, which yeah. back in the nineties, I guess nobody would have wanted. No. I mean, not Which... nobody, but it wouldn't have broad acceptance. And I think this is, uh, and that's why I like the that Martin Campbell has done the first Brosnan and the first Daniel Craig film. Yes. Because I think in both cases, he did a very good job. But mm -hmm. you see that in Casino Royale, it was a way clearer where they want to go with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And in Golden Knights, like, do some new stuff, but also it's still a Bond film. And I think Natalia is really a good example of where this uh, this disparity is is, is uh, palpable in the film. Yeah, absolutely. Now that you mentioned his name, I think Martin Campbell has such a weird career because, as he said, <laughs> like he made GoldenEye and Casino Royale. That, but in in other cases, he would think this is a a name that everyone knows because he makes yeah. these two important Bond films. And if you look at his filmography, like. The most important film afterwards is the maybe The Mask of Sorrow, which was quite a which successful cool. film. It is pretty cool. Also a bit forgotten, I think, by now. I think this movie is not remembered as well, although it was pretty good. And then, well, the most famous movie you have Green Lantern, right? A movie no one wants to remember. No. And, um, and and so many movies that you've never heard of. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a classic case of a good uh, a workman director. You know, it's... Uh, he's, I think he, he feels to me like someone who would have benefited from a studio system. Where the studio yeah. says, okay, yeah, we have this sure, project, yeah. do it. And he's a, he does great action scenes. You always have a clear choreography. You have a good uh, spatial awareness. You always have a feeling of where is everyone in relation to everyone else. Um, he knows how to shoot well. I mean, the yeah. film looks looks very good, especially the scene in the, in the park with the statues. It looks fantastic. Nothing that I think a Bond film has looked like before. Mm -hmm. But it's not the... Autor's, autor guy. You don't think like, oh, it's no. a Martin Campbell movie. It's like, oh, Martin Campbell did a good Bond movie. He did a good uh, Zorro movie. Uh, yeah, you have a great point there, I think. that 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 uh, Because I think he is talented. Uh, he yeah. had like an interesting run. I mean, he I think he became known with uh, No Escape, um, which yeah. sounds like a terrible movie, but it's actually surprisingly good for what it is. Uh, and it's well directed, and then Golden Eye, then A Mask of Sorrow, and then Vertical Limit, which I liked when I watched it. It's, a, it's one of these mountain movies, again, completely forgotten. But it was much, much better than, than you would expect from a movie like that. And then, and then, like 
yeah, he he struggled a little bit before Casino Royale comes. And after Casino Royale, four years later, he makes a Mel Gibson movie, uh, Edge of Darkness, that also no one remembers. And so, Which is a remake of a TV show he made in the 80s. Yeah, <laughs> still, right? Of course. I mean, yeah, this is what he does really after Casino Royale, which is for sure now his most famous film. And then Green Lantern and so on and so on. And then it's like almost gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, he made a movie last year with Liam Neeson and... I would uh, anyone I would uh, challenge anyone to remember which movie that is, but of course that that's also the, the Liam Neeson problem. That the Marksman. <laughs> no, Something it's like of that? course the movie Damn. Memory. Memory, of course. I mean, the M was right, so I guess at some point, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's not talk uh, on about the, on the, on too the much. train scene. Uh, there's also yes. one uh, one moment of sexual uh, sexual violence um, because this is the first time that Alec, our, our villain, mm -hmm. our main villain, meets Natalia. And it's like, this is oh, one yeah. of the most jarring moments because up to that point, Absolutely. he's just like, okay, he's he's an arms dealer. He has this this um, this uh, revenge plot against the British because they, uh, the, the Leans Cossacks were betrayed by the British, but everything. And it's like, there, she's in the train for like a minute and he's like sexually assaulting her. Yes, and that's like, what I noticed I was, as well. I was watching like, what? Why, why, how, why is this happening? There's no indication. It's really like a, a show of, but look how evil he is. He's like totally gone. I was like, and it's what? the only moment before and after where that happens. And he's yeah. so like he's so forceful. It really, just like you said, it happens, it, it seems completely out of nowhere. And he doesn't stop yeah. until until the action comes. Uh the, yeah. the like violent action comes. And I mean, she doesn't like it, but I also think she's kind of she's also maybe because she's used to her uh, programmer a sexist friend i think she's she seems more annoyed than really um disgusted by what he's doing um yeah. but i think that's one of the weakest moments in the film because it really uses this uh this device of uh, tr uh, threatening a female character with sexual violence uh to create tension uh which i think i mean like it, it can if it if it's really fitting in the story and making sense for characters i can I can accept it, but in that moment, it's really like, uh, how do we make the the saving of her more mm -hmm. uh, more important, more urgent? And yeah. it, it feels so out of place. It really feels like a studio studio note. Like a producer said, like, oh, there has to be more mm -hmm. danger in there. And then they yeah. shot like this insert of of him uh, attacking her like that. That that's exactly what it feels like. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, and like overall, the sexuality. I find it fascinating that there's more sexual aggression in the movie than than sex as a means of romance or because you have like this small moment of bond with Natalia and the most sex is with Xenia Onatop. So you have like real, you, you don't have this, this history of, because there's a lot of Bond films where you have Bond at least going to bed with the Bond girl, then someone in the opening, uh, mm -hmm. I think in... Um, in Die Another Day, or no, it's not Die Another Day, it's um, The World Is Not Enough, he's sleeping with his uh, Swedish teacher when he's being called into a mission, and then he sleeps with uh, Sophie Marceau, and then with uh, Denise Richard. So you have like this, there's the focus of like bond bedding women. And here, that's really just like, in the end, like, it also feels like producer like, hey, Bond didn't have sex with the Bond girl. Oh yeah, so let's shoot this one scene in the bed really quick. It's fascinating for a Bond picture because it's like, I feel like it's the only one in the modern age where they really, or like in the Brosnan age, where they really uh, almost forgot about Bond. Yeah, sex. for sure. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, I would agree with that, and and that's uh, that is surprising. I, I really I was surprised by that that the, there's three. Although on the other hand, the scenes where we see him having sex with Natalia, or again, postcoital scenes, seem quite romantic, even right in the mm-hmm. beach house and so on and so on. Or they are sexual when they're close to danger. Again, like to the train track after they crash with the plane. Like he he's worried that she has died, but it almost feels sexual as well because he's on top of her. And then yeah. later in the end, they have another moment like that where after the action, they become sexual. I, I think it's really this, their relationship is not thought out very well no, um, no. at all. Okay, finally, the last point about sexuality. Oh man, this is going on for so long. Um, <laughs> is, I just want to talk about the title sequence for a second. And of course, uh, yeah. I know James Bond title sequences are famous for well, basically being about showing female bodies flying mm-hmm. around the screen. <laughs> but I found the combination of basically depicting the end of the cold war like this demolishing statues demolishing the 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 symbols of communism while also having barely dressed women do all of that and where you really the the silhouettes show actually show nipples a lot like you can really almost think that they are completely naked i was surprised by that i I, this title sequence seems so odd to me but that's the ultimate win of the free west against the (laughs) communist system Naked women okay, dancing yeah. on top of the destruction of Soviet symbols. I mean, it's uh, the film is a bit about how cool it is that the uh, the free world won, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that title sequence really um, pushes that point. And of yeah, course, it's true. like you say, the the typical naked women silhouettes dancing to the theme song thing. Yeah, which I'm always like, I I love the one in Casino Royale because it's so different. Um, yeah, it's something they could have gotten they could have gotten rid of, I think, uh, for yeah. this transitional movie without but, a problem. But I think it was the last one from the original producer, like from the uh, broccoli. Um, oh yeah, that's, like that's... now it's now it's his daughter, I think. So yeah. I can imagine him being more like stuff has to be like that because this is a James Bond movie, and I have been making them for thirty years, and this is how they're done. I mean, actually, I it, is, to... it is Barbara Broccoli already. Oh, so, uh, theory goes to. Uh, I'm, to sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm ah, sorry to fact okay. check you. Um, no, it's uh, it's good. I don't want to uh, propel fake news here. That's uh, not my mission. And we don't want listeners to to be upset because they say no, it's a first Barbara movie. Um, How can you not know that? Yeah. No, no, it was actually Licensed to Kill. That was the last one. So ah, the, the okay. previous previous one. So I mixed that up. Okay. So, Which I mean, uh, could could maybe be an indicator why this movie feels a little bit different and deals with sexuality a bit different now that uh, yeah. a, a woman is the one of the key producers. Um, I mean, right? I think we cannot ignore that fact, especially after this longer period. Okay, let's finally, finally, I say that as if that's the end. <laughs> uh, let's finally um, get to violence. Let's yes. get to violence. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I mean, I do think we don't have to go into uh, individual scenes as much. Uh, because I think the the depiction of violence is pretty similar in in most moments, but still, what what comes to mind as the most violent scene for you in in Golden Eye? I would say the one that the uh, German ratings board deemed to be too violent for the twelve year olds. It's the death of Alec, but yeah. not because it's uh, gory or uh, uh, too bloody or anything, but it's because especially this uh, the personal connection between Bond and uh, and it's a very different feeling when Bond shoots someone or mm-hmm. stabs someone or something 
but here they're on the satellite dish and uh, he uh, he catches the falling Alec and then they have like this old uh, exchange mm -hmm. like for England James and it's like no for me and then he lets him drop and yeah. this feels like so much more violent than or I, I read that he shoots about 46 people in this film mm -hmm. And that's really PG-13 violence. It's like, pew, pew, people fall over. It's like, okay. Yeah, let's get to that know? in a second because I, yeah. I, I found that and, very interesting. And, and this one is really... It is. Uh, I mean... What, what surprised it, me? Could... Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Go on. No, it's okay. Uh, and I mean, I always feel like... I'm always surprised that he's not dead when the satellite dish <laughs> falls on him. <laughs> yes, yes. the fall would have to absolutely crush him. He falls on concrete. He would be splattered, but of course they cannot show that. But I'm always like, he's coughing up blood, and it's like, and then he, the head falls to the side. I'm like, oh man, that's a rough scene. And then the dish falls down, and he gets like one part of scream, and it's always like, what? And this mm -hmm. this like pulls it a bit out for me. Uh, but the one like the, the drop and him falling down, screaming, and then coughing up blood, that's that's for me like always a, a pretty intense moment. It is. It is. Uh, I think the whole scene is. Again, it, the scene starts out a little bit silly where I thought, well, um, Alec really, really is willing to risk his life just to try to kill Bond. Like Bond goes lower and lower and he just follows him at, uh, up until the point where, you know, they he basically can't get away anymore. But it, it, it's fine. And then Bond pushes him and catches him at the same time. And I thought, ah, yes, of course, he shows that he's still like the good guy and that he's not like like Alec and saves him. Yeah. But then he doesn't. Then he drops him, which I found really surprising, as you said. Yeah. And then you see him fall, and it's such a classical moment of seeing someone fall from far away. And then this cut to him to seeing the impact, to him really crashing on the on the ground. I thought that was the so sound. surprising. And the sound, exactly. That makes it so intense. And if you look closely, I, I think because you said that, I was surprised that he lives afterwards, uh, after the, that crash. But when he's when he crashes, you I think you see that one of his legs seems like a bit out of place. Like, like it's like he seems really hmm. broken. Yeah, and yeah. He, I found that really, really surprising how violent this moment felt, especially yeah. as you said, compared to all the other violence in the film. And I think that moment feels more like a holdover from the Dalton area, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, era, yeah, yeah. The area, era, um, because he was more ruthless, and especially in *License to Kill*, where he's uh, taking revenge for Felix Leitner uh, being hurt, mm -hmm. and. Um, and also this this uh, that's like that the personal um aspect of it and and how ruthless bond gets there and it doesn't yeah. feel like because like sh shooting some russian sh soldier that's uh, shooting at him that feels like part of his job you know he has to shoot back to defend himself but he doesn't have to drop alec no like he, said, he doesn't he could he could save him he could say okay this is over i will uh give you to the authorities you were rot in prison and he and, and especially uh, that's he, that he says for me yeah like he has to because he's i mean one big thing is that he doesn't uh attach himself to people mm -hmm. because of course he, he cannot in this job no and uh and i think that's why also again casino royale is so great because it shows why he doesn't do it because he mm -hmm. did once and look what he got there um but here it's really like it's a relic from his past where he was younger where he was uh, less experienced and also like the betrayal yeah yeah, that he that Alec was like uh, blow it up everything like an opening scene and then he that Alec resents him for doing mm -hmm. the job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, it's almost like he has to get clear of his own bad conscience that he said the time was lower and endangered Alec. 
Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what makes it so violent, not the violence itself, but the, the everything surrounding it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, again, I, I was surprised. Um, in, in connection to that, the, the, the fight scene uh, that precedes it or what, when the fight scene starts, it is also more intense because it's, yeah. you hear less music, you hear many, much more sound and they're like, they're, you hear them breathing and, and, and you hear every, every hit in a way, which uh, mm -hmm. again, differentiates, differentiates it already uh, right from the start. Um, so they really, really want to make clear that this, this fight scene is different to compared to all the others in the film. Um, and it doesn't feel as choreographed because a lot no. of the fight scenes in movies generally are, of course, they are choreographed. They, they, they don't, they're not supposed to hurt the stuntmen or the actors, but this one really feels like two people going at each, at each other. Yes. So let's talk about the other violence in this film, which again, I think you can almost summarize. You earlier said tame. Yeah. And you also said that a lot of people are killed. So many people are killed. I mean, you say how many people Bond shoots, but he's not the only one. Again, we have Xenia who kills lots of people. Uh, we have explosions and fire that kills people. Um, we have the other general that we haven't even talked about in the beginning who kills lots of people. There's so many people killed. But like this, I, I would say there's basically no blood. The, the violence feels like not like violence. Like it's, it's, it's almost like 50s Western, you know, someone shoots and someone goes, oh, and falls over and that's it. And you don't really see any impact of violence um, for, for the most scenes, I would say. Yeah, it's the perfect uh, example for, for blockbuster violence. Yeah. Because you have, like today you have a lot of, uh, like the Marvel films, they get around that by having uh, robots or aliens as the uh, villains a lot of times so that the violence against them doesn't feel as, uh, as, as, as bad. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think especially in the 90s and that's what that was one uh, like when we talked about what movie we could talk about that was the one reason I was like okay this could be a good example of yeah. 90s blockbuster violence because you have a lot of action films especially in contrast to the 80s where the real macho Stallone Schwarzenegger yeah. films where they really got to be violent I mean look at and even look at the difference between Terminator and Terminator 2 mm -hmm. Which is a real, I mean, it's of course biggest, but of course, with the budget of 100 million comes a certain uh, director from the studio not to go as big with the violence. And with the 80s being ever more growing into the blockbuster age and the 90s continuing that trend, you really feel like this is sanitizing the violence. And I think mm -hmm. this is especially the kind of violence where people like David Cronenberg or, or Michael Haneke uh, would really scoff at. Mm -hmm. really like it because it has no impact it's really yeah, it is that's exactly it has I, no impact that's what it feels like you don't feel really, the violence you don't feel the deaths it's it, it's well, completely meaningless yeah it's just part of the routine yeah yeah and i can accept that in some ways on an action movie like that because of course i have been conditioned to mm -hmm. accept that but it's that this is the great case of um like when you say like it's pg-13 in the u.s because I mean, around about 50 people are killed. Mm -hmm. But okay, you can show that to a 13-year-old or 14-year-old. Yes. But if, if a breast would be visible, that of would course. be out of the question. In Germany, you have the, the other way around. It's, at some yeah. point, it's like maybe the violence is a bit too too easy. And uh, I think the, the James Bond film especially, of course, the crack films have gone a bit harder and mm -hmm. are pushing the PG-13 rating more. 
but of course they are made 20 years later so they have more room to push because of course today you can show other stuff in pg13 and you could in the 90s um yeah but it's really uh, it has you, like in horror movies you often have violence as a means of releasing tension mm -hmm. where it's like oh 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 that's gross that's weird and uh, other times like when we uh, when i discussed uh, eastern promises with gordon uh, on his podcast um, you also have the violence as, as something that really like ah oh, it, it hurts to see it because mm -hmm. it's so visceral and here it's just okay he's an agent he shoots people and that's all the thought that's put into it yeah it's really just a, a plot not, not even a plot point it's just like a check mark yeah uh, it's yeah. i think violence is used as a replacement for sometimes like even for dialogue or for for other actions but in a in a completely meaningless way i think of this moment when a bond is in the in the opening action scene is hiding behind these explosives or what it's supposed to be and mm -hmm. so they can't shoot at him and then this one soldier gets like trigger nervous and shoots anyway when yeah. nothing happens and then he's killed but again even the way he's killed feels it doesn't feel like death it's more like oh it's just an expression for i don't like what you just did that's all it, it yeah. means um you you don't even think that this general is is like too cruel or anything it's like oh of course that was annoying he should be punished it, it's uh, almost dies, doesn't really matter hmm? it's always played for laughs yeah yeah it is and that happens so often in this film almost all the yeah. time yeah? yeah so many people are shot and 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 i think uh the movie goes there slowly in the beginning i noticed that it takes a long time until bond actually killed someone because it's mm -hmm. alec who kills all the people in the beginning and Bond yeah. doesn't kill anyone until he's out on the on the airfield. That's the first time he starts killing mm -hmm. people. Before that, yeah. he never kills anyone. And a lot of people are killed at the, until this point, uh, which I find, again, surprising. But then he starts like using a machine gun and really just shoots wildly Falling into crowds. And they yeah. just all fall over. <laughs> um. The, what the film does, though, is he um, it shows a difference between the, the the hero James Bond killing or the villains killing, because the the Sevarnaya station when they uh, when Xenia and Omarov kill all the, the yeah. technicians and, and that's that's violent. But 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 there you can see like how without even being more bloody or anything, how the film can frame it mm -hmm. because yeah. because it's they are help those people are helpless. Because Xenia is enjoying doing it, because mm -hmm. Omarov is is like so blatantly cold about it, um, uh, like really technical about it. Because like with Bond, it's always like part of his job. He shoots because the other guy wants to shoot too, so yeah. he has to save himself or has to save someone else. But there, it's really like they enjoy it. They do it for for uh, evil means, mm -hmm. and the film does a good job of like in what it wants to do. It does a great job of showing the difference because like when the good guy kills, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's justified. But when the bad guys do it, that's mean, that's cruel, that's violent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I also, yeah, that that's, uh, becomes really, really obvious. Um, the first killer in the movie is, again, Alec, uh, 006. Um, he killed someone. And what happens is that he shoots and we hear someone going, oh, but we don't see the person he's shooting. Like, yeah. we don't see anything. He just shoots somewhere. And then we, we hear that someone has died. That's the first death in this film. And I think that's really representative for everything we've been talking about, right? And that, that happens again later, but you're right. And then when the bad guys start killing, it's it's much more visceral. It's it's um 
yeah you're more supposed to feel what what's going on um which is surprising because natalia is actually given a moment to uh, you you mentioned this earlier to contemplate what happened when she's uh, like covering some of the co-workers and mm -hmm. really feeling the helplessness of it all uh, and it's surprising for a blockbuster like that to yes. have the moment for a side character to which doesn't have any effect on the long term <laughs> movie at all no 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 But still still it it shows like there's a, a completely normal person who just works as a computer analyst or whatever which who she probably has not many experiences with violence <laughs> violence like that uh, and how and that it does something to people which is not typical for bond no and i think this is similarly to what we talked about with sexuality i think again the movie has it both ways it mm -hmm. shows the impact of violence um in some moments and in others it doesn't for example all these bloodless kills that we've been talking about especially in the beginning with all these soldiers who come running and running and they are just shot and shot they they like disappear like you don't see After they're dead, they're they're gone. While when we have these other moments again with uh, with Xenia and uh, the the scene and uh, yeah the, this scene and when Natalia sees them, we see bodies lying around. Like we feel yeah. that, um, and that's uh, that's very interesting as well. That the movie even shows the consequences of violence in different ways. We, because again, when when Bond kills, like there are no consequences. Basically, it just means yeah. people are moved out of the frame. Yes. Yeah. Even when he drives a tank through St. Petersburg. That's what I was just thinking of, right? He's driving <laughs> through St. Petersburg. And I, again, it's one of these th things where you can think of how many people he kills accidentally by doing this. Uh, but there's also the scene when the two uh, jeeps uh, with uh, soldiers drive into the river. And again, yeah. it's almost comically and they're flying out of the car and you don't feel violence. It's, it's just... So, it, that's that what's played for laughs. Absolutely. Yes. But I think the film does a very, uh, like, uh, tries very hard to uh, demonstrate that Bond is never hurting a civilian. He mm -hmm. never yeah. drives over, he only drives above, uh, over police cars, which is like, it's like a normal policeman in there who's just like, uh, okay, I was caught because there's a tank driving around here. And then he's being crushed to death just for, for showing up. So that's mm -hmm. pretty, uh, pretty hard. But he, like the one civilian damage he does is driving through the uh, Perrier truck. But isn't he also driving through no a building or through walls where you don't know who's yeah. behind those walls? Yeah, but it's uh, like there's a, a passageway, which is not wrong. But you know like what I mean? Yes, it's, but I know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. the film could be like, what a f imagine from the, from the Russian perspective, what a fucking madman is driving a tank through a crowded city. But the film, of course, is like, I mean, he has to follow them somehow. And mm -hmm. the tank was right there. So what he was going to do, not of take course, the tank. Think, I mean, it's just about a I, very I cool mean, scene. It's a cool action scene. I mean, it is. It is. And it looks really cool, I I, I have yeah. to say, right? It, it is an interesting sight and something you don't see very often. Of and course, it's one of question logic and everything, but, you know. Who does that? No. And it's another true. scene of the, uh, the the victory of the West against the Kurds, because like it, uh, a British agent Uh, wreaking havoc with a yes. tank in a Russian city. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a, like, we got you now. Mm -hmm. There's a scene later where I, I I wrote down a lab, but it's not a lab, but this other room with all the technicians that is, is burned. And you see, again, it's so different. It, it explodes with the, where the satellite dish is, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm getting confused now. And, and there's the a fire everywhere and you see people burning and screaming, which again is this other kind of violence suddenly. Yeah. 
And I was really surprised right. to see that. It's been perpetrated by the bad guys, so you get yeah. to you get to feel what they've done. Yeah, yeah. Which which is a clever move in a in a film where you clearly have a good and bad to make it to 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 yeah. to make it like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's well yeah. done. When um the this this general um it, it's a it's a German actor. Hmm? Oromov. Yes, played yes. by Gottfried Jon. Gottfried Jon. Um, which I know in 1995, of course, the German press was all about that. We have another German actor, which yes. happened in so many Bond movies. I think it's it was uh, Götz Otto, the next one. Did I even remember that? Because like Götz Otto didn't have a career of any sort. He was always it's, the guy who was in a Bond film once. It's always like that in the in uh, World is Not Enough. There's Claude Oliver Rudolph, and he's oh, yeah. in there like for like two two lines of dialogue, and the Germans like. Bond villain, Claude Oliver Rudolph. He's not in the movie at all. Calm down. Gottfried Jung plays a much bigger role here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when he, uh, there is this moment where he betrays this uh, minister. Yeah, the Minister of Defense, which is somehow, uh, for some reason, uh, doing the questioning of a captured yeah. British spy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, we're not talking about logic, but he shoots <laughs> him in the head. Yeah. And again, you see that he shoots him in the head, but there's no, no blood, no exit wound or anything it's really um that was a moment that that was strange to me because it does show violence but it still can't go there not showing blood or anything um and not doing it off screen like the others and um yeah that's just one more at that i wanted to talk about but if, um, you, if you would shoot it with with blood or, or brains it wouldn't be preacher 13 no so no that, but not even that's, a little that's bit. the whole the whole reason because you have to show him do it yeah but uh, you can't show the impact, which yes. is what makes the violence normally uh, have an impact. I don't know if we... Uh, should we talk about the Xenia James Bond fight scene again? I feel like we have talked about it in a way already. Um, they're in the sauna and they're fighting and the fight, they, they fight across the sauna and throwing each other across the room. And it feels like sex. That's, that's the idea, yeah. I think, that their sex yeah. is violence, basically. Um, and she enjoys it and he doesn't. Yeah, but she's smiling. She she likes that again until she she loses. Then then she doesn't like it anymore. But up until this point, she really really enjoys it, no matter how rough it gets. Yeah, but I I think basically it's uh, I'm still uh, on my theory that it's uh, Bond cannot just bet the even the bad girl yeah. anymore. Yes, that's true. That's true. Her death, Xenia's she death, out of place. Out of place. It's I think it it is set up interestingly. Like uh, she is pulled through the air by a helicopter, I think, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, she's still on the off in a tree. And I was wondering, oh, does this become violent now? Is she like broken in two or you know something, or just thrown into the ocean? Or and then she just hangs there in the tree. And it's not well, even like she she, she yeah. doesn't just hang there because the the belt she's she's wearing yeah. for uh, letting getting down of, out of the helicopter. It's basically choking her the way that she chokes her victims with her legs because it's like pushing her. her I didn't even get that. So that's like poetry. It rhymes. Ah, uh, and that's why he <laughs> no, uh, likes to have a good squeeze. That's why. That's uh, why. Very dangerous line, I guess. I don't know why. <laughs> talk after she's dead. Yeah. No, but uh, I, I feel that's uh, that's played a bit comical. Yeah, uh, I found that moment so odd, especially yeah. with this character. I I thought she would have deserved something else. I think it. I think, but the 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 reason that they chose it like that is they wanted this squeezing her to death and this, yeah. this quip, 
because I think we somebody said they're like, oh, look at that. It's like set up and payoff. So great. But uh, it's not working that well on a, on a if you watch it, it's like this, this mm -hmm. looks like from a cheap, cheaper movie. Yeah, so, it, it does. It does. The, the execution doesn't really work. So I get why they did it, but sometimes you don't have to like it's should you do it? I I want to talk about one more death, and then I don't know if you have something else. Yeah. And it's um it's uh Krushenko. Ah that's the Alan Cumming yeah. character, right? Yeah, yeah. What is what is Grishenko? Because his death is like it couldn't be more comical. Yeah. It is straight out of a, a silly comic book movie where uh he's he's sitting in there and everything is destroyed and he is very happy that he's still alive. And then he gets up and he says, What does he say? I'm invincible. Sorry for everyone who speaks Russian and my bad impressions. <laughs> well, I mean, most of the because people he speaking has... Russian in this film are not Russian, so that's not, Alan Cumming is, I think, Scottish. So, for, but I mean, definitely does, not I, Russian. I, I've I've heard worse. Uh, um, yeah. If anyone wants to hear a bad Russian accent, John Malkovich and Roundus is uh, very, uh, very over over the top. Uh, it's just like his catchphrase because it, when yeah, yeah. he is uh, hacking the I don't know what in America, the FBI is trying to trace him and. He can shake them off, and like in early '90s computer graphics, where they show you on the screen where the where they are on the internet right now, which is uh, <laughs> yeah, the whole internet always, thing oh, and his hacking oh, skills always, are always charming. But then he's like getting up, and, yes, I am invincible, and uh, that he's uh, doing over and over again, and thinks he's invincible until he gets frozen by liquid nitrogen or whatever they use to cool something there. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's uh, you can imagine like this, this uh, in German, like we watched, of course, the, the VHS back then, we watched in German. Uh, me and my friends, we used to quote that one all the time. Of course, because it's... <laughs> so it was showing, when someone was, has won something like on a PlayStation game, I was like, yes, I'm invincible. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, it's so over the top, but I, I kind of like that moment. Even yeah. if it's pretty cruel to to play a death for for laughs. Yeah. Do you have anything else concerning violence? Actually, no. I I, I was surprised to see that I had more notes. Uh, like after watching the film, I had more notes for sex than for violence. I have a lot of notes on violence, but they're always the same. That's that's the problem. I really, oh, yeah, another plot skill. Another plot skill. Yeah, that's why I stopped taking it and just replaced it with gun violence has PG thirteen impact. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically not. Then I guess we have covered the sex and violence in this film already. I'd say so. I mean, I always ask that question, but as many, many cases, uh, many, many times, maybe I should skip that question. Um, could you imagine this film being more or less violent or sexual? Uh, less, no, because then you can't tell the story, of course. Uh, more, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I like for my taste, it should be more violent. The violence should have more of an impact. Agreed. I get the. Uh, I get the financial concerns of the producers there. They have to recoup the money and PG-13, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, it should be more. But at least uh, I'll say that uh, it doesn't need more sex because I think what it does with the sex it shows is, is mm -hmm. interesting. And I don't actually care if I see Bond having sex with uh, with Natalia. I just don't. No. I, I, you can cut that out. It's it's fine by me. Mm -hmm. um, but, but the violence, yeah. I, Golden Eye rated R, yes, instant instant buy for me. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I wouldn't have a problem with that, and it wouldn't. I mean, it would change the movie, but it wouldn't make it any any less than than what it is. Okay. I, it would add actually. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, again, that's what we have the the uh, drag movies for. 
or the Timothy Dalton movies, right? I, I yeah. think you can look in both directions and see that the violence is depicted in in, in both uh, characters or both depictions differently than in the Brosnan films. And it's understandable that they dialed it back because the Dalton films weren't that successful. They weren't that beloved. So again, from a financial standpoint, I get the producers completely. Yes. And yeah. I mean, they, they made a shit ton of money with that. So of course, they weren't wrong in no. that sense. Then let's get to our rating. So as uh, as always, we uh, give this movie a rating of our own in four categories in on a range from one to ten. And uh, the first is uh, how explicit would you say is the sex and violence in this film? I think I will go with five, actually, because the violence is almost not explicit at all. Uh, except for the, the, the death of, of Alec. Um, and mm -hmm. the sex is an important part, but it's not explicit. I mean, you you don't have that much nudity, like a, a, a bare back or a chest of a man is the most you see. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think a five is... Yeah, it's, it's like thematically explicit because sex plays a role, yeah. especially with the Xenia character, but you don't really see much. Yes. Yeah. So five it is. Hmm. So how intense would you say the sex and violence is in this film? Questions do I go lower than five here? I think I give it the five because of the sex. Because I think, like you said, it's uh, it is there for a reason. And when it's there, it's uh, it's Xenia. I think we talked about her the most. And you, mm -hmm. and you take like one one talking point. Uh, that that's for a reason mm -hmm. um, because she made that impression with the. Uh, also, the sex scenes she see ah, sex scenes she had uh, <laughs> didn't think it was hard, uh, but the violence is really not, uh, not that. Intense. So I'd say again a five. Okay, okay, fair enough. And I mean, again, the the, the final fight scene is is intense, and I mean the the sauna fight scene is also somehow intense, right? With with Bond and and Xenia, it's not completely. It's a, it, it's a mix of of comical and intense. I think a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Interesting question. How much would you say the sex and violence is connected to the themes of the film? So in my theory, where Xenia on the top is maybe a metaphor for AIDS, <laughs> and uh, which I hope nobody takes the wrong way, which I'm not saying like hey, people who have AIDS are deadly killers or anything. Please don't misunderstand me there. Um, but if I take that train of thought and also add that the film is in a way trying to at least um, grapple with the sexism of the Bond films, um, I would give it a six, a general six, because the violence, I think, is more just part of the action. Yeah, yes. I was thinking about that as well. And of course, you could argue that the movie is not really about sex. But it says so much about sex that I think it's justified to say it actually does say something. It doesn't ignore it. Okay, how much would you say this movie could be recommended to children? 10 meaning no, one meaning yes, no problem. So I myself was just thinking that that was a cool action movie when I was like 11. Uh, which obviously at home video I shouldn't have seen, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. since it was rated 16, which I found out earlier. No one would say. To... <laughs> I would actually say, even if I hate to say it five, I think like a teenager is perfectly capable of, of dealing with everything that's in there. 
um, especially today. I mean, yeah, even the sex scenes, uh, this is nothing they they haven't seen before on a, on a porn video or something. So, I mean, uh, I wouldn't show it to a six year old. I think that would be too much. Like uh, there would be yeah. moments that would be too intense for my liking. But 10, 11... So like if I'm saying like up until 18, I think the midpoint, so five is, is a fair game. Yeah, I think that, that actually makes sense. Um, rating five. Which brings us to 21 points, which is relatively low for this film, which is interesting because we had so much sex and violence to discuss. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's just like, again, the way it is portrayed is not as uh, yeah intense or extreme or explicit yeah. uh, as you could imagine. And I think it's really a, a case of, um, like we talked just uh, off, off mic, if I'm watching it with that in mind, I'm seeing a lot more than I'm watching it as a teenager where I'm just like, oh, cool, it's a Bond movie. Mm -hmm. it, because it's not not a film where you, uh, like Basic Instinct really draws you to the theme of, of, of sex and violence. Yeah, uh, You can watch this film easily and just say like, oh, cool action film. And it was about James Bond saving the world once again. And and you're not wrong then no it's... no and again thematically it is if you would summarize it it is more about a post-cold war and all of that and i was thinking just when you were talking about that i and i want to uh, squeeze that thought in because i don't want to lose it because i i really like your idea of blockbuster violence and i do think because you said you wouldn't show it to a six-year-old and or to, to kids who are too young if i think of of some of the the mcu movies I think they use mm. violence in a very similar way, way where yeah, sometimes absolutely. the violence has no impact at all, um, where you're not even sure if people are killed or not. And then in some uh, key scenes, the violence is a bit more intense. Maybe never yeah. explicit. Again, you never see a lot of blood in MCU movies, if at all. Um, It's more like the wiping it from the mouth after a punch. Yeah. I mean, we don't see that much more blood in GoldenEye, to be fair. Of course, the big difference is, and this is a common... Uh, a thing that people uh, talk and uh, talk about and know that <laughs> the MCU movies just don't have sex. Yeah. I mean, except for the Eternals, but that's one in 25, 6, 7 movies. They so. almost have no sex, right? Which... Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty sexless. Yeah. And I, I talked to a friend about this recently, just uh, just out of Quincy, because she has like... Uh, Like when the, the most, uh, um, most uh, like the phase three of the MCU was going on, her son was 12 at the time. And I was like, oh, so you're going to see uh, Captain America Civil War, whatever it was. And she said, oh, do you take your son with him, uh, with you? And she was like, mm, we're still not sure because from some film, like Age of Ultron, he had, a, like there was there, he was 10. And I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's not that bad. But he did have some trouble sleeping because he was so scared of the idea of Ultron and this uh, artificial intelligence. So, uh, so what you're saying is actually a part of the thing uh, with the MCU because it feels so bloodless and sexist that you think like, oh, it, this is no problem. But uh, it is actually a lot of violence in there because at the end of the day, they always fight someone with violence. Yes, yes. I mean, that's something that I'm fascinating about superheroes in general, that we accept the, this idea of them just being able to commit violence at, at, at their own will, you know? But yeah, if you if you actually think about it, then it could be disturbing for, for children. I mean, I'm saying that my daughter has seen most of the MCU movies and we haven't watched one in a while and she's 11 now. So she, she was much, much younger when she watched most of them um, and she was never scared or, or anything. Yeah. So... 
I think it's, it's it depends. It, it always depends on the kid and how you contextualize it. If they have a concept of of what is real, what is realistic. Um, I mean, I played GTA with 14, which was rated 18 in Germany. But of course, I knew that this is all cartoonish. And that's nothing to do with, with the real world. But not every, like, not that I was super aware of stuff, but like, there are kids at 14 who are not that discerning with what they consume. Yes, for sure. So. For sure. And things have changed, of course, right? Because you have so many more options, yeah, so on and so on. It's harder to control what, what kids watch anyway. Uh, and anyway, it's impossible to control. So yeah. um, that's a big difference to VHS times. Anyway, before we get <laughs> all too nostalgic, oh man, the world was better in the past. It wasn't different, um, not better. <laughs> um, I think we're I think we're done actually with Goldeneye, uh, which was I think quite, so too, yes. quite quite a long discussion. Um, not the longest one, but we we could have gone there if we wanted to. Yeah, uh, we could have pushed it, especially considering that I think if I'm not mistaken, the longest episode was our Basic Instinct episode. Um, I think so, yes. So uh, yeah, we are bound to have long episodes. I guess, but that's fine. It was another very, very interesting discussion for this very interesting pick. Again, I thank you. I know uh, we talked about that um, that this is an unusual pick. It's not a movie people would think of when they think of sex and violence in the 90s. Uh, but uh, I, I told you before, and I we've seen that now, this is uh, allowed us to talk about things that maybe in most other movies we are not going to talk about. And it's uh, it's it's fascinating to like I've seen Goldeneye I don't know probably 10, 15 times in my lifetime, <laughs> but watching it this week with this mindset on let's analyze the sex and violence, not just take it accept it as part of the Bond mm -hmm. formula, um, really opened up some some different thoughts. It's not changed my opinion of the film. It's not like I'm now like oh this is a hidden masterpiece that everyone like, no. oh it, it has its flaws and, and I I get that not everyone has the nostalgia that I in some parts have to say like oh it's one of the best ones but it it shows that you can take basically any film and watch it under this uh, under this banner and 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 think about it like that and that's uh, that's something that's why I enjoy listening uh, the episodes you did in action uh, a while ago and I have seen that movie I don't know 15 years ago and I was always like meh 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 I don't know uh, and hearing your discussion, I was like, "Huh, maybe I should watch Election again." This, 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 this sounds like more, more than maybe I, I did grasp at, as a teenager. And that's so so cool mm -hmm. when you don't take like like the obvious picks are also cool because you have a lot of yeah. uh, stuff to talk to. Uh, but sometimes like the the left field picks uh, do also yield some interesting discussion. And I mean, by by now, I would say even uh, there are more. Uh, unusual picks than than expected picks uh, because for some reason whenever i ask people most of them don't pick movies that everyone would pick i think one of the problems is that many people think assume that other people have picked those movies already and i always say no sure. no no you can you can take them anyway i i like both i like the obvious ones i like the uh, surprising ones um because as i have found out you can talk about all of them it doesn't really matter uh, I sure. can still not imagine that there's a movie here that where we notice oh there's actually not much to talk about that hasn't happened yet. I don't expect that to happen. So thank you for this pick. Thank you for this discussion. Thank you for another great episode. I'm sure it won't be the last one uh, with you. Yeah. So um, yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me and thanks for listening. Exactly. So goodbye. Um, if No, actually, I don't want to announce what the next episode will be because uh, first of all, I don't know if it will work <laughs> out. And second of all, it's a little bit of a surprise if it works out. It's it's a different kind of episode next time.
if everything works out. So be curious, yeah. be uh, excited what will happen next week. And bye. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War, whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken.